Good morning, everyone. Once again, if I can say it's good to be home. My wife and I had a good week visiting with our daughter and granddaughter. But it's still good to be home, to be with those of like precious faith. My subject today is a simple subject, the God we serve. I'm a strong believer in that we should, at least from time to time, if more frequently even every day, remember who God is and what He is. To me, that encourages me to live for Him because of His character, who He is, and what He is able to do, and what He has done for us. I'm amazed at the wisdom and the wise God that we serve. Can you stop and think Back in the book of Daniel, God told his people what was going to come to pass in our day. He prophesied of a power that was going to arise that would think to change times and laws. That came to pass. And the last Sabbath that I was with you, I touched upon this subject in that when he was rising, the papacy was rising to power within the church. There was a, how can I describe it? Uh, it could go either way. But God saw that the events followed as he predicted they would. History tells us that at the time that Martin Luther came out of the church, the Catholic church, that he was able to present his case so strongly that the two sides that debated this that the subject was almost evenly was even up. <laughs> and I've seen that happen even in my day and age in the ministerial council when we discussed subject, there was apparently it was apparent that the the feelings of the ministers was even. And we had to count, there was in the days when we didn't have no electronic to vote by, we had to count very carefully to make sure that the decision was according to the feelings of the ministers. And so in Luther's day, the two sides was evenly opposed, and but God saw that it went the way he predicted that this power was going to rise and to think times and laws, the wisdom that God has 
that he can see into the future as well as the present and know what's going to come to pass. Turn to Hebrews. <laughs> Excuse me. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. And I believe that he's talking to us today. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. Now this is our thought, the end of the verse. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's Spirit, we believe, is the extension of His power. And God knows our even, even our thoughts as we think of them. And that's what we need to be careful to bring our thoughts in under control, that we don't let them get away and from us, as it were, and cause us to hold on to them. We cannot help the thoughts that Satan puts in our mind at the moment, but we don't need to allow them to remain there and think upon them and think upon them and and after a while we begin to enjoy them in our mind, our fantasies. The Bible tells us that Christ was tempted in all points, same as us. And I have no doubt in my mind that Satan tried to tempt him with thoughts that were not pure. But he would not allow them to remain there. He cast them aside. When Christ was here, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And he could read the thoughts of his oppressors. He knew what they were thinking about. They did not have to tell him. And so he many times he spoke of all those things and they were amazed that he could read their thoughts. <clears throat> In the 13th verse, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. He knows every creature as well as us, his creation, part of his creation. God oversees everything. And everything lives its term and comes into an existence because of God's watch over that kind of creation. Neither is any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Everything is open and naked. We cannot hide from him. God is very wise. And there are scriptures that indicate there's no one as great 
as our creator and our God. That's the kind of God that we serve. And we need to remember that. Turn to Isaiah 42. I alluded it in my opening remarks. But here is something that we need to take to heart. In Isaiah 42. And verse 9. Well, I thought I rechecked my scriptures. The scripture that I wanted is that even before it comes to pass, God reveals it to us. Yes. Does that say that? Well, if I got in the right book, that might help. Isaiah 42 and verse 9. Yes. Behold, the former things are come to before all. Before the former things come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. That's how wise God is, and that's how knowledgeable he is. He sees them even before they occur, and he informs us that we might know that we are able to avoid Many of those things that he speaks about in prophecy. I'm so sorry that prophecy is losing its importance in the church. Prophecy is important and we need to proclaim it to keep the thoughts and the subject of fresh in the minds of the people lest they forget the prophecies that are in the scriptures. There are some prophecies that have been lost. <clears throat> prophecies, at least, I have not heard preached, but I wish I knew the interpretation of them. But those things that have been down, handed down to us, that the Holy Spirit has been able to retain the meaning of them in our minds, we need to continue to proclaim and speak about because it reveals who God is. He's all wise. And he knows. God also not only is a wise God. But he's a God of love. I did not pick the scriptures. That definitely speaks of love. But nevertheless. It alludes to us, and I just thought it might help us in a different way. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. 
Paul speaking to the Hebrew church and explaining about our relationship with, with God and He with us. Verses 6 and 7, first of all. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Now that's a little bit hard to understand. If he loves us, why is he punishing us? Because he does love us. There's been various times when I've been able to read about young people in the home. And especially when they stand before the judge. The judge speaks about their parents and the young people say, my parents don't love me. They don't care what I do. And that's possibly true. I'm not saying that the youth is not speaking the truth. But what I am saying is the parents are not expressing their concern and their love for their offspring. Because God is telling us here, if we love our children, we're going to correct them. We will want to correct them. Not that we want to punish them, but we want them to realize what life is all about. And so Paul is telling to the, telling the church, God loves us. And that's why he chases us, us, punishes us at times to get us thinking about our relationship with him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scorneth every son whom he receiveth. Every child God watches over. Every child of his he's concerned about. And when that son or daughter of his strays or gets too close to the line or a little bit over the line, he punishes them to get their attention, to get them to realize what they have done and turn them back. Verse 7 says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Then he switches the thought and goes back to the earthly father. And he says, that's why they chasten you or punish you. is because they love you. And that's why I, the heavenly father, also deals with you in the same way. Verse 8 is very <clears throat> clear and we need to be concerned about. But if you be without chastisement, for of all our partakers, then are ye bastards or illegitimate children, not knowing who your father is and not really his sons. <clears throat> when we receive chastening of God he doesn't want us to feel he doesn't love us if he didn't love us then he wouldn't be concerned about what we're doing or not doing 
It's because he does love us. I've heard a parent make a statement one time. <laughs> I don't know if he or she was saying, as they were about to punish their children, they said, well, that hurts me more than you. Well, my father never did say that. He did it because I was in the wrong and he wanted to correct me. And God is saying here to them, when I'm chastising you, don't feel that I don't love you because I do. And when God allows us to go through trials of life, it's one of the two things, brethren. He wants us to learn to rely upon him or he's correcting us. One of the two. As I was visiting a lady one time in the hospital, she was very depressed. Because she said, I must have done something wrong and God has punished me because I did something wrong. And I tried to console her. I said, that might be right, but on the other hand, he might be teaching you to trust me. Not necessarily anything that you have done. And I don't believe every time that when someone gets sick or in an accident that God has punished them, not for a long ways. God is allowing us these things to happen in our life to teach us faith, to teach us courage. Because even Israel, when they were about to go into the land of promise, were land of milk and honey, where they were going to be blessed with everything in life. And God told them through Moses, he said, when you live in those chiseled houses, don't forget me. Don't forget me. And I do believe, brethren, that's one of the reasons why America is so far away from God. We have had an easy life. I'm corresponding with a man in Nigeria. And I asked him some questions about the church, when it started, the growth of what was the attendance membership. They started in 1939, and their membership is about 40,000. They tell me that our church. I believe it goes back further than that, but nevertheless, as far as America is concerned and members, the physical church is concerned, they say we came out of the 1844 movement. And in America, I think we'd be hard pushed to get 6,000. I also ask him about the salary that the ministers receive. And he said, a minister is paid $40 a month. $40 a month. 
And if a minister has other responsibilities outside of the church, he might be paid $50 a month. Have we had an easy time or not? Have we had a hard time or not? I think America has had an easy time. I'm speaking as a whole now, not specifically periods of time is concerned. And we think that we do not need God, but we do. Or else we will not remember who our Father is. Our Father is a wise God. He's a loving God. But He's also a God that demands obedience. In Hebrews, excuse me, Matthew the 10th chapter. Matthew the 10th chapter. Christ is speaking here to his followers. Matthew 10 and verse 28. And he says, Fear not, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Fear not those who are able to kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Now, the modern teaching is today that a man's soul cannot be destroyed. If that is so, brethren, then there's a contradiction in the Bible. The prophet Ezekiel says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So if a soul cannot be destroyed, then there's a contradiction in the Bible, but I'll take the Bible. The word soul means a breathing creature. <clears throat> this verse here is perhaps the hardest verse to explain the meaning of the word soul. Because it very clearly says, but are not able to kill the soul. My Greek translator that I have, or translation rather, that I have in my office has this to say about this verse. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the future life. Notice now, they can kill this body, yes. But they cannot take from me that promise that God has given me that I will be a part of the kingdom of God. That is in the hands of God, thank God. But the, the sentence here, which are not able to kill the soul, sounds like it's something separate from the body. But my Greek translation says, are not able to kill the future life. Let's read the rest of it. That was sort of a side thought. 
but rather fear him who him here, God, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Or in my Greek trans- translation says, able to destroy in Jehina. Jehina was a place outside of Jerusalem that burn up the rubbish and things and is referred to hell or Jehina. The word hell is taken from the word Jehina. <clears throat> and Jesus is using that as a comparison. The wicked will be burned up in the end of this age. So it tells us who to fear. And Paul even said in his day, I wonder what he would say today if he was could be resurrected and see the how people live today. He said in his day, there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God in the land. And today, brother, there seems to be that lack of fear. And I don't think necessarily it's a kind of fear that we shake within us when something actually scares us. But it means to be fearful or really have a deep feeling of concern. A deep feeling of concern of what we're doing in our relationship with God. Fear Him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In John, the 14th chapter, makes it a little bit clearer as John speaks to the church and us today. In John 14 and verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, excuse me, if a man love me, he will keep my words. He will obey me. He will obey me. He will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Yes, our God is a very wise God. And our God is a God of love. But our God is a God that wants us to obey him. In John the third chapter, or first John the third of the fifth chapter, tells us that that is the only way that we can express our love to God is by obeying Him. 
That's the only way. Use an example today. That is the only way that my wife can tell that I love her, the way that I treat her, the way that I respect her. Words are cheap. Yes, she wants me to say, honey, I love you. She loves to hear that. So do we as fathers or husbands. But we want works behind it. Works substantiates the words that we speak. And so it is with our Heavenly Father. It's by our works. People cling to that thought, we're saved by grace. And we are. That's the only way we can be saved. But when does that occur? At conversion, brethren. When we come to God and we dedicate our life to Him and invite Him into our life, we are saved by grace. There's no works that we can obtain that. And we say, God, I love you because you've forgiven my sins. God then says, or Christ said, if you love me, keep my commands. Every verse I have found that relates to the judgment day doesn't speak about grace, but it speaks about works. We'll be judged according to our works, Revelation. But nevertheless, God loves those who obeys Him. In 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, is a verse that we don't hear too much about in the church today. And I'm sorry for that. Second Thessalonians, the first chapter, and the eighth verse. In flaming fire, notice that. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Flaming fire is not spoken too much in the church today, at least. I haven't heard it very often, too often. But it's a reality that we have to deal with. There was a lady that spoke to me who had strayed away from the church. And she said, Brother Walker, I still believe the way that I've always believed. And I was very close to her, and I said, but you're not living it. You're not living it. Yes, she was fearful of that fire. She said, I don't want to be in that fire. 
And the only way we can avoid it, brethren, is to obey our Heavenly Father. Obey Him out of love, not that we have to. God doesn't twist our arm and say that you're going to obey me whether you want to or not. He wants us to do it because we want to. Out of love and out of because of the blessings that he has bestowed upon us. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Did you ever stop and think of the wonderful gifts that he has given us? Oh, I tell you, I'm so blessed. And I tell him so. I'll let him know. Sometimes specific things, sometimes in just generality. But I let him know that I realize that everything that I have, everything that I partake of is not because that I've received it of my own self, but because he's given it to me. Praise God. He's been so good to me. And I'm sure you feel the same way. But he wants us to tell him that. He wants to hear that expression that comes from our heart. Lord, I love you. I appreciate what you do for me. And then we obey him because we want to and not because we have to. My closing text in Revelation, the 14th chapter, very familiar text, we hear quite often. But yet maybe not as often as enough, enough, probably should hear it more. Revelation 14 and verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. It's talking about God's people. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In all of this turmoil or confusion that makes it so hard on God's people. Some people feel that God has made it hard for his people to live the kind of life he wants us to live. No, brethren. Stop and think what it would be like if everyone in the whole world kept the Sabbath. It wouldn't be hard. It's the world that we live in that has made it hard for us, not God. If your boss says you either work on the Sabbath or you lose your job, that's not God that's doing that. It's your employer that's making it hard. And all the other commandments, God has given us, them to us for our good, for our in, so that we can enjoy life to its fullest, to its fullness. Yes, God wants us to enjoy life. He doesn't want us to go through life worrying and wondering and fearful. 
He wants us to be free from all of that. And that's why he's given us his commandments to live by so that we can, can live a happy and fulfilled life. That's the kind of God that we serve. A God that's so wise that he even knows the intents of our hearts. A God that is full of love and compassion. But yet, a God, and let me use the word, demands obedience. We must accept that. We must accept that with readiness, not with reluctance. May God bless us, is my prayer.